This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, folks, and welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos, and with me as always, the man, Palmer Toms. Palmer, signing day's over, man. Did you finally get some sleep? Just a little bit, just a little bit. But had I been covering the Jags, I, I probably would have missed uh, the Urban Meyer news, breaking that past midnight. Dirty move of the uh, Jags press company. <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, I don't think anybody was worried about doing uh, Urban Meyer any favors at this point. So uh, glad we're covering Georgia recruiting and not the Jags, that's for sure. Um, signing day, like I said, kind of came and went. And, um, you know, I characterize this one as one of the quieter ones that I've had to cover in terms of Georgia recruiting. A lot of the hay was already in the barn. And, and, and I say quiet, and I think sometimes people take that to mean uh, – you know, bad, but uh, I, I think that that's actually a really fine instance in, in this occasion because, you know, the way I look at it, you know, you don't have any big surprises in terms of guys flipping elsewhere. Um, you know, maybe Mar- Marquise Groves kill a brew late in the day. Uh, you know, those those winds started blowing pretty heavily yesterday morning that that could happen. Uh, and that's a bit of a surprise, I guess, in the sense that he had been Georgia's longest tenured commit, certainly. Um but, you know, other than that, uh, just not a ton of surprise out there. Um, you know, one, one guy commits um, on signing day to Georgia. That's Marvin Jones Jr. We'll definitely get into that. Uh, and uh, that was an impactful one for sure. But for the most part, you sign all your guys and everything's kind of looking hunky-dory. Yeah, I, uh, I tweeted it out at 4.15 because we were just coming out of the Kamari Wilson announcement. And I said, it's 415. Georgia has not signed, added a commitment today. And, you know, a lot of people would take that, uh, you know, negatively. But the thing that you've got to remember if you're a Georgia fan is Georgia had the number one recruiting class in the country going into signing day. That means that they already had some pretty damn good players. And so you don't necessarily need to add anyone else. You know, obviously Texas A&M and and Alabama surge above them uh, with the additions that they got, but that doesn't mean that Georgia didn't, doesn't have a good recruiting class. It was number one going into, into the day. And that was with a lot of commits already in from schools all around the country. So, you know, I I think that what people sometimes forget uh, is that, 
signing day is the celebration of this signing class. It's, it's the culmination of this signing class to an extent you still have February. Uh, you, you still have these January 8th decisions to announce, uh, but it's the culmination of, you know, months and years of work, not just that one day. So what Kirby smart and his staff did over, you know, and, and you got to remember with this recruiting class, they weren't able to get on campus until June 1st. So essentially they worked all of June, all of July, all of August, all of September, October, November, and half of December. You're looking at six and a half months of, of being able to get these guys on campus. Plus there's dead periods in there as well. So you've got to keep that in mind with this recruiting class. It's not just about what happened yesterday on Wednesday, the first day of the early signing period. It's about what's happened over the last several months and years. Yeah. And, you, you know, I think that everybody has to take into account that essentially, um, you know, we missed an entire year uh, of, of in-person evaluations, uh, of visits, uh, everything really um, with the coronavirus shutdowns. And um, so, you know, that shaped all of this in a very interesting way. And I think, um, you know, made for some kind of relationships that you had to build on the fly in some, some degree. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think there's a lot for Georgia to be pleased about, uh, about the day. And, um, you know, like I said, I wrote it in, uh, in, in the recap that I did last night, quiet is good in this instance. And, uh, you, you got the news that you wanted. I mean, quite frankly, you know, Monday and Tuesday were, were uh, more insane than, than Wednesday was. Um, and so I, I think that that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. You don't see that often, but, you know, Drew Bobo and then you get Chandler Smith and then Dalen Everett's involved. Uh, that's three in the run up to signing day. So, and I told people as well, and I really do believe this. I don't think it mattered what happened, what anybody else did yesterday because of what Travis Hunter did. Uh, there was not going to be any capturing the narrative by any team, regardless of who they signed or what they did. His was the national story of the day. It captured every mind, you know, positive and negative. I, I, I heard reactions in both regards, but the fact of the matter is, just like Deion Sanders, he kept him talking, man. And, and that was what that was kind of all about. So, you know, kudos to Travis. I think it's a really cool thing, but it obviously didn't go George's way. Uh, uh, well, it didn't go, it didn't go the way I don't think, I, I think anyone expected, uh, when the morning started, but, uh, at any rate, um, let's dive in a little well, bit. And, and one thing that I'm going to hop in here real quick oh, yeah, before go we it. dive in is you mentioned those Monday and Tuesday commitments. Those very easily could have happened on Wednesday. And, sure. and I think that Georgia fans probably would have come out of signing day feeling a lot better maybe um yeah. you know it would have been a very different feeling had those happened on wednesday and georgia picked up four guys on wednesday versus just one um but like you said earlier the one that they picked up very impactful we'll, we'll break that down and you've also got to keep in mind that there's two guys out there announcing on january 8th at that all-american bowl uh two guys that would be very impactful to add to this recruiting class we don't really know one way or another whether they they did sign yesterday or whether they will sign over these next two days and where they signed. But Georgia is certainly in the running for both of those guys, Kristen Miller and Ernest Green, that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's I, I think that that's really true. And both of those guys would go a long way to shaping this class. I'd be interested to know personally if they could 
push Georgia ahead maybe even a little bit. Maybe maybe they could overtake Alabama. I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that would shape things. Um, it, it certainly would hurt their chances, obviously, to add a couple guys of that caliber. Um, but yeah, you, you know, you've got a couple pieces left out there. I think you've got a couple pieces that maybe you're watching going into February. Can they get back, you know, back? I, I don't mean to say back in it with Shamar Stewart. I don't think they're out necessarily, but can they kind of put themselves back in the driver's seat? And that's uh, that's if he doesn't end up announcing here during this early signing period. Yeah, sure. Who knows? I mean, who knows what anybody's going to do at this point in this day and age when it comes to recruiting? I think we found that out in a big way yesterday, but um let's dive in a little bit on this class uh palmer and talk about some of these guys um i guess from your perspective looking at it i've got my own thoughts on this obviously and i'll touch on those in a minute but i'm curious as to what you think uh because well i mean you're a team guy right you you shouldn't be following recruiting as hard as i do um what i guess was there a position group that that particularly stood out to you Uh, a couple signees who stood out to you i mean what caught your attention when you're looking at this group well, I, I think that this is something that we've talked about in, in terms of recruiting on here several times, talked about it in our personal conversations. Defensive back was a group, a, a position of need in this signing class, and they hit it hard. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't hit it out of the park like they might have wished. Um, you know, maybe they probably still hit it out of the park. I mean, you, you bring in three five stars, uh, you know, maybe not the grand slam, the the Jorge Soler shot that they might have wished, uh, but, you know, missing on Kamari Wilson, losing uh, Marquise Groves, Killebrew, not getting Travis Hunter, not getting Dion Bowie, um, you know, obviously those things, if, if any of those had played out differently yesterday, we would have been having a very different conversation. But the fact is, Georgia still signed three five stars in the secondary and in a fourth time top 100 player Um, Malachi Starks is a player that really excites me I've seen him play in person uh you know I've I've interviewed him I've I've sat down with him I've talked to his coach before um this is a kid that I think really can do it all for Georgia um he's somebody that I'm really excited to watch and and see how the Bulldogs use him um because I think that he's done it both ways for Jefferson uh I don't necessarily see him playing offense at Georgia but I wouldn't rule it out um I I think that you know uh, elsewhere in the secondary um you know Starks is probably more that hybrid star player um Kirby said yesterday when we asked him about it um that they don't necessarily recruit specific to star it is its own position but when they recruit somebody that could play star they also could play safety or they could play corner Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he said that's really the case anywhere, you know, not just in the secondary, but when you're recruiting an offensive lineman, you recruit them to play guard and tackle or guard and center, you know, you, you if anywhere on this team, uh, you know, if, if you're a running back, you're also developing your skill set as a wide receiver out in space. If you're an outside guy at wide receiver, you're developing it at at the slot position if you're a you know defensive tackle you're developing your skill set as a defensive end defensive end developing the outside linebacker skill set outside linebackers inside all over the field so you know I, th- I think that with Starks that's that's certainly that's something that's interesting to me um, but I think that when you look at the corners that Georgia brought in they really do it all um, in, in terms of they, they cover every possible skill set um, with Jaheim Singletary, you've got somebody that doesn't have 
he's got above average speed, but he's not a burner by any means. Uh, but he is long. I mean, 6'2", 175, 33 inch arms. Um, he can cover. And, and I think if you watch the film, he's he's not necessarily going to you know fly with receivers, but he can make up ground that he might have lost uh, with the speed in terms of his his just his sheer length. Um, you know, he's number 25 player in the country, number four corner, uh, five star there. Um, I'll skip over the second five star for now, because I think that he's kind of the hybrid of the two, uh, and move down to Julian Humphrey, the third corner that Georgia signed, um, number 92 player in the country, four star number 12 player at his position. Um, you know, anytime you sign a top, anytime you're a top 100 player, you're a really good football player. You don't have to just be a five-star, you know, not the 32, the 32 five-stars are incredible football players, but there aren't just 32 good football players in this signing class. So bringing in a four-star corner in Julian Humphrey is a huge addition. He is a burner. I mean, won, won the fastest man competition at the opening finals, um, you know, ran a, what was it? 10, five, five, uh, hundred prior to his senior year of high school. Um, the kid can fly. And I think that, you know, when you combine the length of what Singletary has and the speed that Humphrey has, you get the polished product that Dalen Everett is. And I think that was a huge addition for Georgia on Tuesday. Um, You know, he, he, he was the fastest guy in terms of, you know, 40 times on that IMG roster uh, preseason, um, which says a lot. He he ran a, I think it was a four, four, uh, 4.4440. That's a, that's a tongue twister there. Um, and, but he's also got the 33 inch arms that, that uh, Singletary has. So I think that when you're looking at the most polished product in this class, it could very well could be Dalen Everett. And there is playing time to be had in that secondary. Um, you know, Georgia has lost or will lose upwards of a dozen cor- you know, players in that secondary over the last two seasons. Um, lost eight guys total last year. You're looking at several guys facing NFL uh, decisions or eligibility decisions um, after this year. So I think that that is that's certainly a position um, that Georgia needed to attack, and and they did so in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's got to be the standout just because of the number of guys they brought in there and you get three five stars back there. Uh, you should kind of be able to overhaul that pretty quickly, I think. And, uh, you know, you, we had I actually had somebody ask me earlier, you know, where does, where does Malachi Starks play? And I do think that's an interesting question because I said, uh, I said, you kind of get into what, what scientists call the Jamari Salyer conundrum. The, the, <laughs> are we going to fill him at the most pressing need or are we going to put him where we think he is the best suited? Um, you know, I think that he's a guy who could go either way. To me, I think you have to probably start him out with a look at safety because it feels like after Kamari Wilson uh, doesn't come, you know, there is some availability back there. So I think he and Ja'Cory Thomas kind of get first run looks there. Um, but, you know, star makes a lot of sense to me. I'm with you on the, the wide receiver angle uh, when it comes to Malachi starts. I don't know that that's not his best position, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, but Regardless, the kid's a tremendous athlete. He'll be able to plug in somewhere. <clears throat> Dalen Everett, um, 
I don't, I really don't even know that we've had time to like appreciate and process that news. Um, just because we haven't, I mean, cause we haven't, we, I mean, if you listened to our show on Tuesday, we were saying, Oh, Georgia's in it for Dalen right. Everett. And by the time that it came out, he might've even been committed. I, yeah. I think, I think it came out as soon as we were done recording. So yeah. we, you're right. We haven't, you know, as a site, as the two of us haven't had time to, uh, you know, comprehend how big that addition was on Tuesday. Sure. And I mean, it just kind of like, I don't know, man, uh, you know, you, you, you got to love those that almost just fall into your lap. And, you know, after Brent Venables goes to Oklahoma, I mean, it essentially just fell into George's lap. And, you know, I even, I, we talked over the weekend and I said, well, you know, it, it, you can't feel good about a kid going to Alabama on their final official visit weekend and uh, the chances of landing them after that. Uh, but sure enough, the Bulldogs are able to pull it off, man. And um, a, a coup, I think. I, I think just a, an abs, just a, to, to cop a phrase from an old friend, pennies from heaven. I mean, that's that's exactly what you wanted to see and uh, a, a chance to really make an impact. And, and I think a kid who can get in there, and, and like you said, there's available time, and I think that these guys can buy for it. Um, now, I do – I'll be honest with you. I expect Georgia will – uh, probably go after, still go after another defensive back in the transfer portal uh, because I think you want somebody with some experience back there as well. I think that that's, that's something that they value. Um, but these guys, based on what, based on all the measurables and everything we know about them, to some degree should be able to kind of reshape the face of the defensive backfield for Georgia. Uh, I think elsewhere, if I'm looking around, you know, uh, I really, I make no qualms about this. I've mentioned this on Twitter. And I, you know, I, I think that, I think that that linebacker duo of Jalen Walker and Cedric Washington is outstanding. I think that those are two really, really great players. Now you would have had a real cherry on top if you had Shamar James, I think out of those, if you could have had that trio, that would have been insane. Um, but that duo is still uh, ridiculous. Uh, two very, very explosive and talented guys uh, when you're talking about Washington and uh, and Walker and um, you know Walker I think uh, sort of a vocal leader for this class so a lot of people are familiar with him I think CJ is a guy that maybe gets overlooked a little bit because he was a lot quieter in his recruitment he committed to Georgia and that was kind of it like there wasn't a lot of drama around it kind of felt like he knew where he wanted to be the whole time so I think that um you know, maybe, like I said, he, maybe he's overlooked a little bit, but I, I think both of those guys can be impact makers. What's interesting though, and I've had a lot of people kind of ask questions about this and talk about this. I mean, both of us are sitting here talking about this defense and that makes sense to me that you would have a great defensive class, right? I mean, after the year Georgia had on defense, uh, seems pretty logical that they would be able to sell playing in that defense. We're not talking a lot about the offense, though, and I don't think that that's necessarily a black mark on the offense necessarily as much as it is just kind of giving credit to what the defense has done and where the defense looks like it's headed. They got some good pieces on the offense on the offense. Um, you know, CJ Smith, to me, uh, was I don't know that there was a bigger late addition. Um, and I'm talking Dalen Everett and Marvin Jones Jr. Because you needed some wide receiver help and you needed a guy, <clears throat> quite frankly, who's a burner. And you get him in a six foot, 390 pound frame. 
this kid, you, you mentioned Julian Humphrey wins fastest man at the uh, opening with uh, runs a hundred meter, 10, five, five. That's blazing speed. This kid's six foot three, one ninety, and he runs a 10, two, eight. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a, he's absolutely flying dude. And people used to talk that, you know, I remember when like Tyson Campbell came out of high school and people were like, Oh my God, this kid runs, runs a 10, three, nine. And you know, that, which is, which is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not downgrading that. What I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is this kid is fast as hell, man. This kid is ridiculously fast. And I think Arian Smith has been supposed to be that guy for Georgia. And he has been in the limited availability he's had, Uh, but otherwise he's been pretty banged up throughout his career and just hasn't had a lot of availability. So I think that a guy with a durable frame like this, a big durable frame, you could almost, I think, you could almost say that Arian is a track first guy. And I think probably, you know, that's, that that may be where his future is. In fact, Um, you know, moving beyond college, this kid is, I, I think this kid's a true wide receiver. Now there's, there's, a, there's some development, you know, to still be done as there is with anybody, but I think this kid is, man, I, you just t- couldn't have had a, a better late ad uh, than, than CJ Smith in my estimation, when you're talking about offense. Jake, how many, how many meters do you think you could cover in, in 10 to Mm, that's a good question. Um, probably, probably, uh, I'd like to think I could get to 50. Um, you know, I could probably, I could probably do half of what he does in the same amount of time. That makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And make no mistake about it. I am a terrible athlete. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that I'm like, good. I'm, I'm a, I'm a terrible athlete. Um, but, you know, this kid, I, like I said, I, I think big, big get for Georgia. Uh, you know, Drew Bobo uh, came on board uh, in this last uh, in this last kind of couple days uh, leading up to signing day. I think he's kind of a five tool player uh, when you're looking at his film. Um, you know, he's a guy who can slot probably anywhere. Um, you know, you got to think if you're looking for a center, um, you know, uh, how about a how about a big guy whose uh, dad is a great offensive mind? You think he can probably control a huddle and maybe understands a little bit, a little bit of depth when you're talking about the playbook. I think the kid will be able to pick it up pretty quick. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, what's your, what's your feel on this offense? Cause I, I'm a little conflicted. I mean, I, I think that it could have been better. And I think that they took some swings on some of these guys. Um, you know, to me, the offensive line class is not as strong as, as you would like it. Um, I, I think that some of those guys are developmental prospects. Uh, you know, Jacob Hood to me is a guy that you can, that you, you, you want to get in because of his, I, I mean, he's as big as, he's as big as a house. I mean, he's six foot eight, three, three thirty-five. I mean, he's a giant. Um, but can he play tackle? I don't know that yet. And I, I don't know that anybody does, but you get him in here and you, you figure that out. You take your chances with that lump of clay. They don't have as many ready-made guys as I think that they've had in the, in the previous years is the only thing in my opinion. Well, and, and, and I think part of the reason behind that is if you look at, you know, from the team perspective, what Georgia is going to be losing on defense versus what they're losing on offense, they are probably going to bring back most of their significant contributors on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you're looking at probably two running backs that are out. Well, they, 
the best offensive player that they bring in as a running back. Uh, you know, the only top 50 player in the country that they uh, bring in on the offensive side of the ball is, is at the running back position. And, and I think that you're replacing, um, you know, that Branson Robinson is somebody that could come in and play. Um, you know, I think that at, at receiver, you probably are only, this is without transfers. You're probably only losing one guy there. Um, you know, in George Pickens. And, and that's not a certainty either. I mean, I think that there is a chance that he could come back. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Kyrus has to graduate at some point, doesn't he? He has another year of eligibility. Well, that's true. That's true. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, but, but I think that, um, yeah, Kyrus is a junior this year, according to eligibility. Um, so, I think that, you know, you're, you're probably, he's actually got two more years of No, one more after this year. Um, I think that what you're bringing in on offense fills the few needs that you're going to have there. Um, I think that you're more often than not, you're, you're never going to bring in a, uh, a, a offensive lineman that you can plug and play as a freshman. Those kids don't come around very often. Yeah. The so Andy think, Thomases of the world are, are not hanging on trees. No, not at all. Not at all. And I don't know that there is, you know, there, there are many of those in this class at all. I agree, um, you I know, agree Kirby, with that. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby even said that today or yesterday um, and, and said that essentially if you look at a class, this class, there are not as many, ready to go and you compare it to the last couple of classes, you probably wouldn't have very many five-star offensive linemen. Now you've based on, you know, how recruiting works and you've got to have a certain amount of five stars and a certain amount of four stars and blah, 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 blah. Well, you're probably, you're going to have some linemen that fit into that five-star offensive lineman, four-star offensive lineman mold, but they probably would be four and three stars in, in previous classes. Sure. So you know, I think what Georgia is bringing in on the offensive line, like you said, is developmental. They're probably losing Justin Schaefer and, and Jamari Salyer there. Um, but you're going to be able to plug in guys from these past classes that were very talented on the offensive line. And Georgia pulled very good offensive line classes into those spots. I mean, Broderick Jones has already shown this year that he's capable of playing. So, you know, you don't have to have a guy that, you know, from this recruiting class that you're going to have to count on there. Well, you know, and, the, and the number that I, and I, I make a point to tell people this too, the numbers in these last two classes were really big. Georgia, mm -hmm. Georgia spent heavily when it came to scholarships, spots on the offensive line yeah whether or not that all pays out pays off i don't know but the fact of the matter is they've got bodies stacked up in that room and they've got a lot of really talented and highly rated guys stacked up in that room so yep. it's a little harder sell than they've got previously and i'll say this too and I, I think it's true you know people i think to some degree got spoiled by that sam Pittman era of offensive line recruiting and i i think matt luke is a fine recruiter and and does a good job but i don't think he's sam Pittman. there's uh, a reason that sam Pittman is a head coach now well yes well and and that matt luke used to be so <laughs> i wasn't going to say that part but yeah, I was thinking, yeah. well i mean so the fact of the matter is you know i think it's a little it's it's different okay i i don't i don't think matt luke is as strong of a recruiter as sam Pittman is and I don't think that there are many guys who are. That's not like I'm saying, saying Matt Luke sucks. 
but Sam Pittman's a special recruiter. Um, I think that this is a situation too, though, where he was kind of up against it from a numbers perspective. Now, you know, I, can can these guys turn out to be good players? Absolutely. I mean, Jacob Hood is exactly the mold you're looking for. You know, he's got he's got that Isaiah Wilson size uh, to to kind of take it back to that era. Um, you know, Drew Bobo, like I said, if you want a guy who's probably got a grasp on how offenses work, I would say it's probably Drew Bobo, probably more so than any kid in this class. Um, Alu Ba played great competition uh, in practice every day at IMG Academy. Griffin Scroggs, same thing. I mean, you're talking about 7A ball at Grayson, some of the highest level that you can play in the nation, some of the best talent that they that you could play. Uh, he's going against it week in and week out. And then that possibility existing out there of Ernest Green, um, also kind of compelling, I think. Uh, and that to me, that would be, that would really, I think, shift the perception of this class if you, if you land Ernest Green, because suddenly you feel like you got at least one guy who is, almost close to ready-made yeah yeah and, and I think that when you look at the you know we, uh, we've talked a lot about the offensive line I think that when you look at those other players that they're bringing in on offense whether it's Branson Robinson whether it's Oscar Delp whether it's Gunnar Stockton those are three um, you know top 100 players at at their uh, you know overall um, and, and top 10 players at their position um, you know to me I think that and we said this when it happened, but when Kirby Smart was talking about needing elite tight ends, he was talking directly to Oscar Delp. Sure. And, and we've seen how well Georgia has used the tight end this year, and that, that you know dynamic skill set of a tight end with Brock Bowers. I'm not going to say that Oscar Delp can come in and do the exact same thing next year because he's going to be competing with Brock Bowers for snaps over the next two years too. Um, but I think that he's, he's got a ready-made skill set for college football. I think that Branson Robinson, like I said, you know, you, you're going to have to replace two running backs. Well, you've got good running backs behind them. Um, you know, even though I'm a Dejan Edwards hater, um, pretty good guy there along with Kenny McIntosh and Ken, Kendall Milton. Uh, but Branson Robinson could very easily factor into the rotation as a freshman. Gunnar Stockton, not going to be your quarterback next year, but I don't think that you ever really plan on bringing in a quarterback to start as a freshman. And I think that he's, he's going to be a fixture in that competition once it's his turn, once it's Brock Vandegrift's turn. I think that those two guys are going to be competing against each other for playing time. Um, you know, when you bring in elite level quarterbacks, you know, top 10 quarterbacks in their class on, in back-to-back -back years, those two guys are going to be tied hand in hand in terms of their development and their, uh, you know, their, their playing time. And I think, um, we, but I think we can both be honest in saying, and, and I mean, well, I, I, I mean, this is how I feel. I'm, I assume you feel the same way. Quite frankly, we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback room going into next. Not at all. I mean, not there's, at there's, all. <laughs> so it's not, it's not that far out of the realm of possibility to think that like, Brock and Gunner are going to have to be ready, um, you know, because they might get shoved into something because who knows what the hell is going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I think that I, I think all options. I don't think let's put it this way. I don't think Georgia is going to have five scholarship quarterbacks next year. I can in, almost in Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels, Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton. I can assure I don't you think, they will not. I don't think that they are going to have that. I think that there's a good chance that they're they're probably more likely to have three than they are five. I think so too. I feel that I feel I feel exactly the same. So that would mean two guys are leaving this room from the guys that are currently there, yeah. which would probably look towards either 
Setson Bennett or JT Daniels and Carson Beck. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Because uh, I, I don't know that Brock Vandegrift is going to be out after one year. And Gunnar Stockton it seems very committed to UGA and, and you know, signed his name on that paper. If he wasn't wanting to be a part of that room, he would have looked elsewhere. Sure. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, uh, you know, I, I think, too, Gunner, Gunner to me is really interesting because I think he combines a little bit of both of what you see in JT and the things that you like about Stetson. Uh, you know, he's got that, he's got a, a cannon arm and then simultaneously he's a really, really good athlete and can get out there and scramble and extend plays. And to me, that's gotta be really attractive. I think if you're, if you're monking and you're thinking about, you know, uh, what you needed from your quarterback position and what you wish you'd have had more of this year, he brings that element. Like you said, I mean, look, freshman quarterback, in my opinion, even as talented as, as a kid can be, that's not an ideal situation. You, you want a, a situation where there's, a, I think, a bridge to some degree, a chance for this kid to learn, get to know your system intimately, get to understand it uh, in the depths and um, win the respect of teammates, you know, come in and, and, you know, establish himself as a grinder and a locker room leader and all of those attributes that you look for. I think the, I think that's all very important and something that, you know, Gunnar Stockton's got a chance to do. Now, I, I agree with you, though, too. I, I think three is more likely than five when you're talking about Georgia's number next year. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think Gunnar Stockton's going to be an important piece. And, it, and I think that unlike what you saw this year, I think that you might get a little bit more look than, say, a freshman Brock Vandegrift got last year. Well, and and let's let's assume that we are in that model of three, like you said, Gunner or Brock is going to have to be ready to be that backup quarterback oh, yeah. here in, in all likelihood. So, you know, in that three scenario, those two guys are probably competing for that backup spot. Sure. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch those two, um, you know, two Georgia guys, two semi-local guys, um, you know, Brock, very local gunner not too far away um i i think that you know th these are two guys that georgia fans are very familiar with let's put it that way that these are two guys that played on a national spotlight against each other uh you know during gunner's junior season and brock's senior season yeah. um you know it those two guys are going to be tied hand in hand in their development and their playing time and their careers you know for better or for worse are going to be defined by each other yeah no, and, and 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 I think that that's that's the situation you're looking at with this these quarterbacks. I think that you know overall, I think we've talked a lot about the offense. You know, after not touching on it for a while, we've talked a lot about it. But I think that what you're bringing in here are some really good pieces that can be um, you know developmental pieces. You're not outside of Branson Robinson and Oscar Delp, maybe C.J. Smith, depending on how he develops in in terms of you know you. It, you know, coming in and, and making an immediate impact. I think that you're probably looking at those two, maybe three in terms of guys that will be seeing the field next year. You're probably not going to see a ton of these guys um, on offense, but I do think that there's a good chance that you see a lot of them on defense. All right. Now let me ask you this um, because I'm curious. Uh, you're the player that excites you the most in this class. It's Malachi Starks. Really? Is it? Is it? It's, 
It's Malachi. Way, to go, way to go with the uh, off the radar pick, the highest rated yeah, yeah, in yeah. the whole class. Uh, Paul no, Norris. but it, but I, <laughs> I think I think I've been I think I've been pretty adamant on that for a while now. Um, and and it might be a little biased because I have seen him play. Um, you know, I have talked to him, but I think that just his versatility. Um, he's listed as an athlete for a reason, and I think that you know that there there aren't many kids that you say you know, legitimately could play either way. And Malachi is that kind of player. I think that the fact that he has been such a dynamic player on both sides of the ball, um, a lot of these guys have because they are the best athlete on their team and have been since they were, you know, in, since they started football. Uh, but Malachi has been the most athletic kid on his team and has will continue to be one of the most athletic kids on his team. Um, even as a freshman, I think that the versatility, um, the ability to possibly play on either side of the ball, I'm not going to say he's going to play both ways. I think he could play either side of the ball. Sure. Um, that's what excites me the most about him. Okay. Like How about you? Pick. Well, I, I was looking over the list again, and honestly, the, the one that excites me the most probably is a guy who didn't even sign yesterday, and that's Darius Smith. I, I, I Just because I think that there's a lot of raw, untapped potential when you're talking about Darius Smith. Um, but he also – and he also addresses a big need. And, and I think Marvin Jones Jr. is uh, obviously in that same vein. They're going to play the same position, uh, kind of that outside linebacker, edge rusher that, uh, um, you know, has kind of become the hybrid that everybody looks for these days. As you um, call it, a slash. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, or the jack, as, uh, as, as it is often called. Um, you know, I think that those guys, those guys to me are the most exciting because if you can find, and, and Michael Williams falls under that as well. Um, you know, so wait for me to go out on a limb with him as well. But yeah, wow. Uh, I, I took the top, <laughs> the top player and you took the next two. Yeah, but no, the thing about those guys that excites me the most is if you can find, a, if you can find a guy who can consistently do that, consistently get to the quarterback that's a game changer man that's huge and in this era of college football it's never I mean it's just never been bigger in the history of the game those guys to me are so much fun to watch they're so exciting to watch and you just don't know necessarily where the great ones are going to come from uh you know guys emerge all the time uh, and and so that group excites me. I, I want to see what they're able to do. And I'm also really looking forward to seeing who Georgia installs as their coach uh, in order to, to develop them. I think that that's going to be an exciting consideration as well. So um, I don't know. I, I just love my pass rushers. I, it's, it's fun. Pass rush is great to watch. Um, Another guy, since, since you named several, I'll name one. <laughs> Bear Alexander, somebody that we haven't really talked about on this at all. But I think that – and maybe it's just that he's wearing 99 in, in his, uh, you know, recruiting photos. But I think that there gives – and he's not nearly the size that Jordan Davis is, but he's got a little bit of a Jordan Davis vibe to him. Um, and I think he's a more college-ready prospect out of high school than Jordan was. Yeah. Now, is he the prospect that Jordan is right now? No. By no means can you expect – a high school senior to match that of a college senior that'll go in the first round of the NFL draft. But there's a need there. Georgia has counted on Jordan Davis for the last three and a half years. I mean, since he was, you know, Jordan, even as a three-star guy coming out of high school, stepped in and played big snaps for Georgia 
in that second half of his of his freshman season. I mean, I think back to that LSU and those the LSU and Florida games, and the fact that he was in there um, as, as a big run stopper for Georgia. Yeah, I think that Bear Alexander can be the same kind of guy, and I think that what you're looking at is probably somebody with a higher ceiling as a freshman than what Jordan Davis had. I would agree with that. I think that, yeah, I, I, I certainly agree with that assessment. I think of, if you're talking college readiness, I, I would definitely give the edge to Bear uh, over, over Jordan. Um, I, I really don't think people knew what they had in Jordan when he was coming out. I mean, th- there's a reason he was ranked the way that he was ranked. Uh, but simultaneously, I mean, he spent most of his senior year playing offensive tackle. And so, you know, he was – you always hope to find guys like that. Don't get me wrong, but it, that's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, it's, if you could, if you could have a hit rate of, a, of, of 80% on something like that, you'd probably be, you'd probably be an NFL GM to be honest with you. So um, I, I think that I, I would, I would absolutely agree. And I, I think that it is, he is an exciting prospect. Um, you know, I think he's a guy who can get in there, be a run stuffer, um, you know, and uh I mean, Georgia, you know, Georgia's kind of um, become established in the trenches. You know, I think that they've, they've really kind of taken that step forward. This year was a big, big, um, you know, last year was huge in that regard. This year, I think, kind of solidified that, uh, you know, with the, the play of Devontae Wyatt, with the play of Jalen Carter, with Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker. You know, all of those guys were major contributors, and, and you heard them involved a lot. And I think that, um, you know, they need – that next generation of those guys and uh you know bear alexander a great fit for that in my opinion um i guess palmer you know moving moving forward what are you what are you watching for i mean we've talked about Kristen and we talked about ernest and, and shamar um you know i guess my question is if you're looking at this team now where's your biggest need going to come out of the transfer portal is, well, where yeah. I, is, is what I would watch. Of course, of course. But I, but I mean, where, positionally, where else do you think they need that? I think that you would love to get a, a, a proven veteran wide receiver. Yes. Um, I think that, you know, Georgia and ideally somebody that is incredibly fast. I think yeah, you that, need to find your, you need to find this year's Jameson Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, you need to find a, you know, what, what you hope CJ Smith is three years down the road. Yep. You need to find that kind of player out of the transfer portal. I think that you've got to find a safety in the transfer portal. Um, I, I think that, you know, you're, you're probably losing Lewis scene and, and the best way that Georgia could have made up for that probably would have been Kamari Wilson. Well, they don't hit on him. Um, and I, and I think Malachi Starks has the potential to be, uh, you know, a, a really good safety at the college level. Um, but I don't know that you want to, even if it had been Kamari Wilson, I don't know that you want to rely on a freshman to lead the, your secondary. Sure. Um, and, and I think that, you know, so, so you're probably looking there. Um, I think outside linebacker, a lot of people have pointed to that. Um, I'm yeah. not as concerned about that. Um, because I think the way that the defensive ends and, and, and outside linebackers are used simultaneously in this system. Um, and you know, the outside linebackers essentially play defensive end and the inside linebackers get out in space, like they're an outside linebacker. So I think that, um, I'm not as concerned about that as some people would be. Um, 
I might actually be even more concerned about the inside linebackers next year than I am the outside linebackers because of what you're losing uh, in, in, you know, Channing Tindall, N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker. Those guys are so, you know, good in space, so quick sideline to sideline. You're replacing them with somebody who's really impressed me, Jamon Dumas Johnson this year. Sure. Um, but I don't know that he is – nearly as quick as those guys. And I don't know that he, I mean, he he'll just be a sophomore and he hasn't been counted on to be, you know, one of the rotation guys. Um, so inside linebacker might concern me even more than outside linebacker. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that wide receiver um, certainly would be one. I think safety would certainly be another and maybe a linebacker. Um, and I think that those kind of fall in line with where Georgia, um, you know, had their misses yesterday. They would have loved to get another, you know, guy or two in the secondary, whether that was Wilson or Bowie or Travis Hunter. Um, you know, they, they would have loved to get any of those guys. Um, they would have loved to keep Marcus Groves Killebrew. Um, you know, I, th- I think that, you know, wide receiver, you probably, you were looking at smoke Bowie or, or Travis Hunter to play wide receiver. And I think that that's where they missed yesterday. Um, and then linebacker Shamar James was a big miss there. Um, so I think that those, those positions that I named certainly fall in line with where the not deficiencies are in this, in this uh, signing class, but where some of the misses were to potentially, you know, go from really good to really great or great to really great. Sure. Yeah. For me, it's wide receiver for sure. Uh, that, that's the one that just jumps off the page just because I think you want a, a proven commodity, a guy who, who's done it on the collegiate level and knows how to get it done. Like you said, if you can find somebody with a lot of speed, all the better. Uh, that's uh, obviously uh, that's what you want. Um yeah, you know, I, I came away from the day, um, you know, thinking, I think this is a great class. I mean, it's it's hard to conceive of the fact that Georgia signed five five stars and they don't have the number one class in America. Uh, that's pretty stunning, to be honest with you. But, uh, hey, a lot of credit to Texas A&M. I mean, that, to me, that's a program-changing kind of class that they've got, um, you know, can really, really shape their future. And then Alabama is just Alabama, right? They're going to recruit well every year. Uh, that's just the nature of who they are and what they do under Nick Saban. So, um, and Georgia, you know, right there, I, I know three people are saying, oh, you know, that's the, – the, go look at the margins. I mean, the, the numbers between these guys. I mean, it's like fractional points is what you're talking about. It's not – not giant gaps between them. So, um, you know, essentially services are just as high on uh, Georgia's classes as they are the other two. I mean, if you break it down into the rankings. Um, yeah. And, and if you looked at, you know, some of the other rankings, when AM passed Georgia, you know, for that number one spot, some of the other rankings still had Georgia as the number one class. And, and so, um, you know, I think that, that, that goes to show, um, you know, across the industry that things were really, really close between those three classes overall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and, and I mean, you know, if it, like you said, Georgia signs five, five stars and uh, doesn't pull the number one class. Well, they pulled the most five stars in the country um, yeah. tied with Texas A&M. Now A&M has a couple more, you know, potential five-star prospects out there. Um 
I would assume Alabama does as well is, is at least in on them. Alabama's always in on, you know, a player. Um, but, you know, I think that where Georgia, um, some, so where Georgia, you know, might be falling down in these rankings um, as compared to Texas A&M and Alabama is those three-star guys that Georgia, um, you know, signed, they signed seven, to a combined two between AM and Alabama, one each. Um, but I think that you've also got to remember some of Georgia's best football players over the last couple of years have been three-star signees. Yes. And, guys, and- guys that Kirby Smart and his staff have done an incredible job of identifying and developing their talent. Um, so, you know, a, a, a three-star to, you know, Kirby always says he doesn't care whether they're, you know, five-star, four-star, three-star, one-star, two-star, whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I think that what they see in some of these kids is the potential to develop them into five-star players that are capable of going in, you know, going in being a high NFL draft pick. They don't really care what the recruiting industry says about a kid. They want, they care what the NFL says about kids and the NFL, you know, doesn't start looking at these kids until three years from now, after they've been developed and in a college system for a little while. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And yeah, you know, I, I give them a lot of credit because they do, they trust their evaluations. They trust their in-person evaluations and um, you know, they hit on a lot of them, so they should. Uh, I think that's it for me, Paul, when it comes to the class, I think we've, we've talked, we've about talked the old girl to death and we've got about, uh, 30 more articles to write on it. So, uh, <laughs> if you need some more insight, you can come over to dogs HQ and check that out. Uh, we'll have you covered there, but, uh, anything else for you, brother? No, just ready to, uh, you know, headed home for a little bit for the holidays. And, uh, you know, we'll be coming back at you with, uh, some orange bowl coverage, uh, you know, previewing that game and, and coverage from Miami headed down there uh, before too long. I guess that's next week at this point that I'm headed down there. So. No rest for the wicked, brother. It's, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely. I mean, it's going to be it's it's going to be bananas. Uh, now, Georgia, we move out of one, we move into out of recruiting, and we're back to team immediately. So um, make sure to get over to Dogs HQ. Check it out. We'll have you covered on all things Orange Bowl and Dogs, as well as, like I said, tons and tons of recap on this signing day and looking ahead into uh, not just 2022's uh, wrap, but uh, you know we're going to start turning the page into 23 here pretty soon. So uh, make sure to get over and check all that out. But for Palmer Toms and myself, Jake Roos, this has been another edition of Dog Walk Talk. Presented to you by Dogs HQ. Thanks for tuning in. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.